Welcome everyone to this week's edition of Tricky Kid Radio. I'm your host, Roy Turner. I'm going to bring you a very special episode uh, this week. Uh, What we're doing is we're we're honoring the life of Prince. And we're going to offer a very unique perspective uh, about the one year that we've all had to experience um, without him. Um, By no means this is going to be a downer or any sort of... uh, funeral. This is going to be a celebration because what we can do, all we can do, and the best thing that we can do is to continue his message and to spread his gifts and to, to share his music and, and unite uh, with each other and uh, and share our experiences. So that's what that's what we're going to be doing uh, this week, bringing you uh, some, some different music, telling a bunch of stories, and we'll be talking to fans all over the world. So I'm very, very excited to, you know, to, get, to get into this. Now, a couple of things uh, you'll hear me talk about throughout the show, and one thing also that I will be disclaiming about quite a bit, is that this is for the fans, by the fans. Anybody that, that knows my program and knows this show or anything that I'm about knows that whereas I have my own ideas and thoughts and obviously art and emotions to express, that Prince has breathe some piece of magic into that um, through his inspiration to me, literally, since I could walk. So um, so what we're not going to do, uh, let me just explain there, whatever is it, you know, a lot of things have happened this past year that haven't been entirely uh, pleasant, uh, but uh, there also has been a lot of great things that have, and we're going to focus on that. We're not going to get into you know, a lot of the salaciousness we're just going to celebrate and talk about and just try to offer a bit of a perspective. Uh, one of the great things that has happened is uh, the revolution, uh, our touring again, uh, for the first time, obviously, uh, you know, um, as, you know, by themselves without Prince and, and playing shows regularly for the first time in over 30 years. Uh, my voice is, it sounds a little bit... Uh, <laughs> Uh, horse is because I'm just a few hours removed from seeing this experience uh, and being in the presence of these magical beings that I have uh, have long uh, looked up to and, and worshipped and have, have pretty much you know created the soundtrack to, to, to everything, um, uh, especially the early days of when I was first you know, getting you know exposed to Prince and, and is a much younger person. So, uh, wow, what an experience that that was. I don't want to give away you know too many spoilers about the show and about the tour, other than to say, go to it, go see it. Um, I can't wait for you to hear some of these interviews, uh, but we're just going to get right into it here. So, a few things I wanted to mention was, was that when I put a thing out to some fans, I wanted to talk to some fans that were, you know, oh, uh, were, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe like in high school or in college, even older than, you know, older than I, back around the height of his commercial uh, peak, to kind of find out, you know, where they got started, uh, when was the last time they saw him live, if they ever, of course, got to, and if they had been to Paisley Park uh, before, after, you know, or, or since, and to kind of get a perspective on that, too, because here's, here's a couple of things. One is it's such a crazy world that we live in now. We all know that. 
Um, you probably heard this before. I'm not the first to say this, but uh, <laughs> true believers out there will say that it seemed like Prince and, and you know, and maybe to an extent David Bowie were kind of holding us all together, <laughs> holding uh, you know the last bastion of sanity uh, in this crazy world because everything seems to have gone to shit since, since they left us. But um, we know that. Um, and it's just such a weird world now that we live in that suddenly Paisley Park is a museum just a few, you know, months after his passing, which I personally feel is obviously way too soon. You know, you hear these stories about, you know, siblings and fighting over money. and uh, You know, and, and it does seem to be quite a lot of things that certainly would not exist uh, had it not been uh, for his passing. Uh, all of a sudden, you know, all, all the music is back on. You know, you know, he was kind of standing guard. He was very guarded. And since he's not there to kind of stand guard, you know, suddenly Mate Garcia has a book out. And suddenly all the music is back on YouTube. And, and, and uh, I'm not saying anything these things are, are bad things. I'm just saying there's just things that are directly connected to the fact that it would not have happened. Um, you know, uh, actually one of, one of the things, of course, is suddenly the revolution is touring. And, and a lot of these things are relevant. So, so, you know, there's a there's an actually a so-called new album or a new EP of of music that are suddenly all, all of a sudden there's a Purple Rain reissue, which I think was already long coming. But you kind of get the idea of what I mean. Is that what a weird, crazy world you you've heard of this before. Like, what a difference a year makes. And here we are a year later, where you know Prince is gone and. Paisley Park is in the museum, and, and suddenly all these people were, you know, you know, seemingly finding a way to, to, uh, I don't know. Um, I think there's some out there again. I said we're only going to focus on the positive here. Um, that are, you know, find just like how we're all as fans kind of uniting and kind of coming together, and it makes sense. I mean, obviously you had to expect a reaction from the revolution, and I'm so glad that they did. And what an amazing thing. And, and I was so happy to, to hear from them and see them do it. And it just makes sense for them uh, to carry this. That's one thing that I was talking about earlier that uh, I would like to hear some feedback from, from, from the fans as well. As it, it's interesting that when he chose to depart from them in, you know, around 85, 86, was, whereas he was always the band leader. I think that for him, though, since he kind of came up with them, that, that his kind of emancipation from them was kind of this, I can stand on my own two feet type kind of thing. And I think that at times the reason why he never reformed with them was because there was this kind of, I wouldn't say resentful, but this kind of thing that, that you know, they were always peers. And all those of the, the, the bands that came later were all great, all fantastic. But there was no... There was no comparison. He was obviously the leader, whereas the revolution always kind of still kind of seemed like Pierce. You know, he's the leader. You know, you know what I'm saying? Where I mean, there's no way you can separate them from him. Um, but with the later bands, you could totally isolate and separate him from those bands. But you really can't with the revolution. It's it's, it's, it's very much a peership, and. Uh, and so that's why, like I said, you know, even though he had played with them in, in 30 years, I think it was what people were expecting. I mean, even even more so than, you know, 
within Third Eye Girl, and, and of course the new power generation. It's just kind of like this kind of seems to kind of represent something. So that they're out on the road uh, right now. I'm just a few hours removed uh, from seeing the show, and I, I can't even begin to tell you how I'm feeling right now. Um, I, I don't want to give away too many disclaimers. I mean, too many spoilers. But there's a few things I am going to want to talk about. Uh, and then we're going to get into in the, in the playing some music and, and talking about some other things. But the thing I wanted to talk about that right off the bat for me was I loved how smart this was. I loved um, how the show started. Uh, I, I will say this. There was, I was kind of expecting the, you know, let me say this. I didn't really have any preconceived notions of what the set list might be. I, I, I hoped, of course, but I just kind of assumed that it was going to be, you know, be obviously largely based on the hits, and, and it, could, it could go a very obvious way, and I loved that it, that did not happen. Um, I had an idea of how the show was going to start, and it started so cool and so smart, and here is where a couple of discoveries, if you, if you don't want to know the set list, and I'm only going to give away just this one little piece. You know, plug your ears just for a second for this part. But um, everybody has their favorite era of 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 the Prince canon, and, and for me, um, it is the parade under the cherry moon era. If you heard of the the uh, the shows that we did last year after he passed, uh, you'll know that my sister turned me on to Prince when I was very young. Uh, I would sneak into her room when I was like eight. And, uh, and kind of just stare at her copy of 1999. And, and uh, so it was fitting that I had her on the show, of course, to talk about this stuff. Uh, but what? But that's the shared experience. For me, the, the one for me is it's Under the Cherry Moon. And, and uh, there's some songs on that that I was really hoping to hear and knew that I wasn't going to. One of them being a single that wouldn't seem to be that out of place, being the song Mountains. Now, one thing to refresh your memory was that I did manage to see Prince uh, almost 30 times, uh, but I never made it to Paisley Park, uh, not before uh, and not since. Uh, one being because it's just, and you heard us talk about this later too, is that it was, you know, Paisley Park is still kind of a difficult place to get to, uh, especially back then. It was very last minute, you know, it's way up in, in Minneapolis, um, I'm, even when I lived in New York, uh, and trying to get out to, and I'm, I'm in Dallas now, of course, and trying to, you know, Chanhassen, Paisley Park is like an hour from the airport, and uh, and it's a, it could be a very, very cold place. So. And then right now, for me, uh, I just, I'm just not ready to to be there uh, just yet. Uh, but we did, we are going to be speaking with some people that have been, and I'm so glad that, that, they, that they did go and have, the, you know, uh, the desire and ability and to do that, and, and I'm very excited for you guys to hear from them. But uh, back to talking about mountains was that uh, one of the one of the at the 21 shows in LA, I went. I got to go for a week straight, which is fantastic. And on the last show that I saw, he actually did mountains, which was unbelievable. But I tell you this because while this is happening. While I'm seeing, it's like the show starts. It's the revolution now, and again, these just mythical creatures to me, in a sense, are in front of me. Finally, 
because I never, you know, other times that I sold prints, I didn't see him until 1997, so I never saw the revolution. Now, get this for perspective. The last time the revolution played, period, in Dallas was with Prince on the Purple Rain tour. And if you, if you know your statistics, you know that Dallas got the New Year's Eve show. Now, I was way too young to have gone to the show this time, so they did. But they came for a three-night stand and uh, did the 29th, the 30th, and New Year's Eve. And I think they might have also had played January 1st. But anyway, so here it is now, 33 years later, and they're playing not far from where that show was, the, the Old Union Arena, at the much smaller House of Blues. And again, this is not critical whatsoever of the show. Go see this tour. It's unbelievable. I can't tell you how good I feel right now. Just being, and that's why I wanted to go ahead and do the show after I had seen it. Is, but for me, I, I realized tonight that I had suppressed is, you know, it's just so unacceptable that Prince has gone to me. And like most people, when they go, you know, when there's this type of loss, and, you know, people might feel silly about feeling this way, because I never met Prince. I didn't know him personally, nothing of the kind. Uh, feeling this way about someone they never met before. But he's been such a huge part of my life and such a huge source of inspiration that one of the hardest things for me this past year is that I listen to Prince every single day, and in this past year, I haven't. There are certain things that I still have, can't listen to yet, because... I'm just, I'm just not ready, or, or I don't want it to take on any meaning, or the sadness that I know I'm going to feel. But it just still seems just so. It will never make sense. It'll never be okay, and it just doesn't seem like that it's real. And that's the that's the one thing that I will say is that it was so bittersweet tonight. That while I'm so happy and I'm so excited, I'm happy for them. And I'm, you know, when I'm hearing songs that you know I never heard him play. Because he was obviously far past doing songs like Erotic City and things like that. And, and this great party atmosphere, and it's fantastic. But in that moment, when I'm hearing Mountains, it was very clear to me, really for the first time, even though we've had a year, that, wow, man, Prince is gone. He's, he's really gone. And, and I'm just now really coming to terms with that. But there's, there's strength in and there's there's a positivity to that because seeing these five people up on stage still you know kicking ass and doing the best that they can to continue this legacy was, and his gifts and their own gifts uh, was such a wonderful thing and uh, and I really let it all hang out tonight man I you know I just uh, uh, one thing I will say and I'm gonna put them to task is, is my cohorts in Dallas kind of let me down a little bit tonight you know there was a uh, I feel like they could have been a little enthusiastic, maybe a little bit more knowledgeable, because one thing that's so great about this tour, uh, and we're gonna we're gonna see it again in Austin uh, on Saturday, is uh, is it's again it's not just the hits, man. I mean they 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 dig deep and they they go for it, and um, and just the strength that it must take to have to revisit some of this stuff, and, and, and the reason why they're touring uh, is is. Witness to behold, but I really, you know, I know it's Wednesday night and all that kind of stuff, but, you know, I, I expected Dallas to be a little more knowledgeable and a little louder, and, uh, 
but it didn't stop us from having a great time and stop the band from, from, from kicking total ass. So, uh, anyway, and so, you know, so again, with this revolution tour, works, there's so many things out right now. And, and you know, you'll hear us say this a lot too. We would give it, even all the great stuff that's come out, um, like I said, like this tour and, and being able to maybe hear some new music and, um, and things, we would give it all back uh, <laughs> to get, you know, to have him have him back in our lives. And but you know, at the same time, it doesn't feel like he ever really had, had you know has left for some people. And, and uh, I, I know that for me, I've just have have dealt with it in a different way. And so so tonight it was a great thing to. To have that release, uh, I will. I can't say closure, but I'm actually really looking forward to, to seeing the show again in Austin because now I won't be so. You know, like when you know you're going to be emotional in public, uh, well, there's a you know there's a certain anxiety attached to that, and so being able to just kind of let that go and, and go into it differently, I uh, I think I'll, I'll, I'll feel even more uh, you know excited and just being able to just feel excited instead of feeling anxious, you know? And I think that's something we can all can relate to. So, uh, I can't wait for you guys to hear these interviews. Uh, so I talked to some great, great people who share some amazing stories. And we want to hear all, all from you guys as well. Of course, you can always uh, hit us up on on Twitter. Uh, you can find me at Tricky Kid in the number two, of course, on Facebook, and uh, Tricky Kid Radio Podcast. And then if you haven't already subscribed, you should totally just go into iTunes, type in Tricky Kid Radio Podcast, and, uh, and this it will show up each and every single week, um, totally free, and you'll get to hear a lot of cool stuff. Um, so one thing I'm going to do is that I'm going to, I wanted to, uh, to play for you guys, is to talk about some of the new things, is that, you know... The thing about it now is that any time any new music comes out, you know, the way he released records anyway was so unique and so kind of, uh, you know, different and instead of the usual traditional route and, and, you know, you have no idea how old these songs were. I mean, you know, obviously the, the famous ball and things like that, but, but now it, it makes it even more trickier and even more difficult to kind of decipher. Uh, and, and, you know, and that, that's, that's one thing that's, when these things happen, that, that it's, it's difficult, because I don't want anything to tarnish or compromise, you know, the music and his vision and, and, and things like that, and now that he's not here to, you know, to guide the ship, you know, and, and you know, you hear all this infighting, like I said, about the, you know, the, you know, the siblings, you know, trying to take the file claim to the state, and, and this whole rush thing to, to to create these kind of money-making sources like turning Paisley Park into a museum and, and all these other different endeavors. So what does it mean when there's a, a new Prince record? So if it was this was Tupac or somebody else, um, you know that this would be simply outtakes or or something or you know things that didn't quite make a, a past record. That's not the or any artist. That's not the case with him. He. <laughs> You know, he already long said that his music would outlive him because he already has this vault with, you know, God only knows how many songs in it, with songs that are good stuff, not subpar material, just stuff that he just hadn't released yet. 
So you probably might have heard about this thing called deliverance. Um, if you didn't get a chance to hear it, uh, the long and the short of it is this. An old sound engineer from about 10 years ago, around the 3121 period, um, has some, some, I don't know, I guess, I don't know how he, he got it or he recorded it and, and somehow kept it for himself. I don't know. But he was planning on releasing this EP. And when you hear it, you definitely can get a, get a 3121 vibe from it. Very, the title track is very gospel. I'm going to play it for you. And again, and suddenly it was up, and then it was, you know, yanked down. And, you know, the whole thing is just kind of like, you know, what, what you know, what makes it official? Like, the, the, the Purple Rain thing, uh, reissues coming out, that feels official. It's an album you're familiar with, you know, you know, some of these old B-signs and, and, and stuff that was only put in line. And that just kind of feels like a big record company, you know, creating a, a, a you know, legitimate, you know, posthumous release. This Deliverance EP feels like one of those, like, unauthorized, you know, biographies that you see it, you know, at the bookstore or whatever. But, but the music still deserves to be heard under, no matter how it's being marketed or packaged or sold and, and it was up very briefly, and of course, the I guess since the, the, the remaining relatives weren't getting a cut, they had a problem with it. We all know that how that even they they didn't that how these things have to be worked out. So this is the, the title track from the EP Deliverance, and I've got some some great exclusive news for you that starting Monday, uh, I want everybody to be able to hear this record. So starting Monday at TrickyKit.com, you'll be able to stream. Uh, all six songs from the EP um, on our website, absolutely, totally free. So that way, you know, you can put all the BS aside and let the music do the talking. So, so, so check this out. This is the song "Deliverance" uh, that was released uh, somehow, <laughs> some way um, earlier this year. <laughs> Yeah. 
like real deal uh, retro arcade I've ever been to. I mean, it's not a bar, it's not a casino, it's not trying to be old. Um, it is. It's exactly the way it used to be. You know, all the way down from dropping a quarter to you know stamp on your hand, and and it's all ages all the time. And I and I, I'm I'm very 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 proud of that and proud of them and uh, doing great things there. Um, also on our website at trickykid.com, uh, you'll see a link there for office furniture to go. Hey, everybody needs office furniture. It's the summertime. You want to maybe have a chance uh, to spruce up your house there. Everybody needs office furniture. So click on the link there. And if you buy something, they'll throw a, a couple bucks back our way. That definitely helps us um, keep being able to keep the show and giving you things like this um, each and every week totally for free. Uh, a couple appearances that I wanted to mention is obviously you guys know I'm also involved in the uh, in the world of professional wrestling as I am the color commentator for AHW Wrestling uh, based in Fort Worth, Texas, and uh, probably the biggest show of the year um, for our organization is a is a thing called Old School Hustle, and it's happening uh, next month in, in July 16th. I believe it's the date and. So if you go on to IHWE, you'll be able to uh, get all the details, and I believe tickets are actually already on sale uh, right now. Uh, a couple other things. Uh, that same week uh, end before I'll be flying back uh, in town for it is I'll be in Chicago for uh, a couple of events. I'll be at Chicago Open Air, which is a big rock metal festival, and I'll be doing the show there and and, uh, and hooking up with some old friends and, and some old uh, touring mates, um, and so very looking forward to getting back to seeing my friends and, 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 and our extended family there in Chicago. Um, again, I said I'll be in Austin, Texas this Saturday, of course, you know, for the uh, the final Texas date for the, Revo the current Revolution Tour, uh, but I also will be back uh, in Chicago, oh, I'm sorry, in Austin, Texas, and let me, forgive me, I've got to get the date here. For speaking of my DJ thing with the um, uh, DJ Tricky Kid, I will be down there uh, July 29th and 30th for the Giant Classic Game Fest in Austin, Texas. And we'll be performing with, of course, MC Tech Force uh, leading the charge there. And we're going to have a great time, man. It's like two days of just awesome classic retro gaming and, and good food and music and, and all the, the, the things that you can expect by being in Austin. You know, they're in Austin, Texas. And again, um, one to you know to plug where you go so you can, you can find us on the webs there on facebook and, uh, and twitter and, uh, and all the other normal platforms if you're an android user you've not been left out into the cold um you can still get this uh, podcast on all of the, the the regular platforms um that the app store there offers you also can always can go to our website which is tricky-kid.com and you can you can stream uh the show for free and uh, so, uh, with that in mind, uh, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back with uh, our first interview. I can't wait for you uh, to hear this one. Uh, we're going to be talking with uh, a woman named Gail George. Is going to be calling from in from New York. Uh, she's a lifelong Prince fan, full of enthusiasm, and so many great stories. I can't wait for you guys to hear. Hi, this is Natalie Cox. I play Juno Eclipse in The Force Unleashed, and you're listening to Tricky Kid Radio with Roy Tanner. Okay, so now joining us now, 
uh, is Gail George uh, is calling from uh, from New York City, actually. Gail, welcome to Tricky Kid Radio. Hello. So welcome. Okay, now again, you know, you and I kind of joked about this before, right before yeah. uh, earlier. Was your name being Gail George? Of course, <laughs> the first thing I thought of was Bob George, and you yeah. shared something with me that I wanted you to share with our listeners. <laughs> it's my dad's name, Bob George. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's Robert George, but he was always Bob George. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, when the Black Album came out. I remembered that being on there and I think I didn't hear the song until the early 90s but um yeah it cracks me up especially when he <laughs> says like we call the George residence this George you know, whatever and I was like oh that's so crazy yeah <laughs> my, my connection to Prince is my father is not Bob George that right. person but but he is Bob George yeah very funny right. He's 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 not yeah. the uh, he's not the uh, the murderous pimp type. I would say. No, <laughs> it's it's a, there's a there's a it's like a bit of a thrill every time you could hear I would hear Prince say Bob George, and, or so it was always uh, very exciting. My my one little moment there. Right, right. So so, so what, what was the first Prince record that you ever owned? Like when did you get turned on to him? Well, the first one I owned that I actually went out and bought was 1999. I was aware of him around controversy and Dirty Mind, and I do remember because MTV was very young then, and I want to say late at night or in, in certain hours you would see controversy, and I loved the song, I loved the video, but I never quite got to the point where I wanted to go out and buy the record. But something right. was brewing. I was something sure. was definitely <laughs> triggering with him. And then when 1999 came out and those videos as well, I mean, he was just so electrifying to to watch. It wasn't just so musically great, which he is and a million times over. He was just fascinating to watch, and I became mesmerized by him. And then when I bought, it was a cassette back then. Cause then That's so cool. Or, right. Uh, <laughs> you need to have it all. Now, how, so, uh, now, how, now, Gail, Gail, how, how old were you when, when you got, got that cassette? I was his age. I We are the same age. I, okay. I want to say the first time I ever saw him live was the Love Sexy Tour in 1988 in Oakland, California. Uh, that was astonishing stage production, and I was so excited and um I went with a I worked for Tower Records at the time. And oh wow! Okay. Warner, Warner Brothers had, you know, we got some tickets and they brought us all down and uh, it was just an incredible thrill. And I, I it, it I, looking back and just, and now I'm really there are certain after effects of his passing that allow you to see footage of that tour as well as many other things which you would never have seen if he were still here. So I being able to revisit that has been kind of this bittersweet double-edged sword. Right. To be able to see that again and remember what an incredible show that was and how amazing he was. Um, I'm really – I was looking at the set list online somewhere and I was astonished – 
like, I cannot believe he played. He did play all those songs. He did right, do right. all that. Past year. Wow. Roller coaster. Um, I'm actually pretty surprised at how heavy it's been for me. Uh, I'm not, and I and I can speak for a few other people as we've bonded over this this collective regret comes from because sometimes that's so deep that now you've we've, been you've okay. been to Paisley Park though. Forgive me, I'm sorry. You 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 have been to Paisley Park since yeah. his passing. Is that correct? I have. Okay, now um, you but you hadn't been there before though, right? I have not. No. Okay. So I had never even been to Minnesota. Okay. I've never even gone to Minneapolis. So if his passing, uh, of course, in April of 2016, you yeah. uh, you went when? The first time I went was the beginning of December. I went on December 8th, and I went for three nights. I did th- Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night. And I went last minute. I went alone. I was driven to go. Um I didn't know anybody. I just went. And I'll I'll tell you where the trigger was. There were there were two triggers. Well, a couple things. I knew I wanted to go sooner than later. I know that. Even though I know it's too soon, I feel okay, that talk, as well. Okay, talk about that right there then. Okay, uh, why sooner than later? Because I wanted his spirit. To, I wanted to still feel his spirit. And I okay. thought as Paisley is open longer and longer, and it becomes more and more separate from what it was originally, which was this incredible production facility besides his home. I really thought after the fact he wanted music to be recorded here. This is is a massive uh, production facility, so is it ever going to happen? Will people ever record music? Will the soundstage ever be used for anything other than just the store his cars and costumes and, you know, other things right, that people right. look at in a museum. I really had a lot of anxiety about it just kind of going into this this um, static okay. state. Well, now tell me this. What Tell me what, by comparison, what you thought it was going to, to be like versus what it actually was. I was not prepared at all for what it was. And that was that it was so beautiful and joyous in a bizarre way. And um, whether the staff was new or the staff was had come in um, once Paisley reopened as a museum, but had been with him prior, so there seemed to be a mixture of both. So everyone was very. I don't. I I have to. I I went there thinking I would find some sort of closure to why I was grieving so deeply for him, but all it ended up doing was making it deeper, my love for him and my my need to try to find a way in my life to... Let's talk a little bit about about those, those things. There were there were completely opposite ends of the pendulum on on a, a few different things. The, the 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 biggest issue and the hardest thing were his remains in the atrium. They are not there now. They that has been removed, and he is up he is up now above where the doves are. Okay. So um, 
unless someone points it out to you and you're looking up, you don't know that that's where his where he is, where his remains of his physical form are. I I will tell you that that was really very difficult, and um, I I want to say that the the tour guides uh, probably needed. I mean, they were fine. The the one tour guide I had because I had. The other thing too is is the way Paisley works is that back then and I'll do the Paisley Park after dark, but for everything that I wanted to do, I had to redo the tour every time. I couldn't just do the movie or I couldn't just do Paisley after dark. I would have to do the tour again. And so You mean you mean that the park forces you to do that? Yeah, yeah, they they want you to do that. So they don't and, let you, you do it. like you if you just wanted you to pay, do you have to pay for that though, correct? Yeah. Yeah. You're gotcha. Okay. It. Well, now let so, me say this real fast. We, we had we had mentioned beforehand about like because I had read about the the thing and her reports about right when you walk in. Like I said, there's this scale miniature version of yeah. of Paisley Park, and then it is revealed that his remains are in there. Now yeah. again, I'm not saying one way or another that's bad taste or in, in good taste or or whatever. I don't know. I'm with you. <laughs> but 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 for me, I I know for me. That if that had been sprung on me, I would have immediately left the room, yeah, and I would yeah, have said, I would hard. have said, I would have said, you guys pay your respects in in this way. I'm going to be over here. Come get me whenever we're ready to resume the tour. That's just all I know. Yeah. All I know about that is that that just wouldn't have been for me, at least not right now. Now, yeah. have you returned to Paisley Parks and gut wrenching, beautiful moments that I thought. Only he would, this could only happen in his energy or his spirit. I right. just, there's just no other way that, like even at Paisley, the older staff that did come back. They did come back because they said in, when I had moments, and December was great because it was cold, it was quiet. There weren't, weren't a lot, like on the, I have to, can I share a story on the Friday night dance party? Of course. This is so beautiful, and this is why I just thought there's something bigger at play here. Um, so the Friday night dance party, there were only three of us because there was a huge storm. It was like 10 degrees. It's December in Minnesota. Right, right. And, um, I'm, and this is in the MPG room. This is his small, um, like, nightclub. It only, holds, it only held about 100 people, and it's a beautiful space. I've seen it a million times in pictures. I cannot believe I'm sitting in here. And Linka Paris is DJing, who is one of, was one of Prince's favorite DJs, and it of was course. his first time back since his passing. So um, about 9.30, this went to 11. The other two women had to leave, and it was just me. I'm wow. all alone. And so I go up to one of the staffers, and I feel bad. I'm saying, I, I, I feel bad for you guys sticking around just for me. It's snowing. It's Friday night. You probably want to go. I'm really okay with leaving. I just I feel bad. And he put his arm around me, and he spun me around towards the stage, and he said, did you pay for this? And I said, yeah. And he goes, this is all for you. This is all for you. Soak it up. Go dance. Amazing. He would not want you. So 
So I danced for like an hour on my own in like on my own in the MPG music you know, That's in unbelievable. The club. Well, it gets better. So I I'm watching them all kind of clean up. They're doing their, you know, closing down for the night out of peripheral vision. I'm just watching the the, the hubbub go around. And then about 15 minutes before it was all over, the entire staff came out and danced with me. And so I was so moved by that. And then um, one of the staffers had given me a card because he's from Queens. And so he goes, oh, back next time I'm in, you know, in New York, we should go to coffee. I said, I'd love that. It would be great. So I emailed him the next morning, and I just said, I have to tell you, I was so moved by my visit last night, and you guys didn't have to stay, and you did. And the fact that you all came out and danced with me, I was so blown away, and, and this has been an incredibly beautiful experience. And and he said, you know, as our, he goes, we would always welcome you to our beloved Paisley Park. I wish I, I'm going to paraphrase, but something to me like Prince never mattered. It never mattered to Prince how many that were in the room, just that they were having fun. So there's no way we were going to let you leave without having fun because that's what he would have done. Gail, I and can't. I, and I feel like I now it feels like it's home in such a bizarre way. But on the Thursday night, the reason really was the catalyst to go was you could sing a snippet of a Prince song in Studio B. It's total novelty. I realize it's total novelty, but in my head, sidebar, I am a singer, singer singer-songwriter. I don't do it as much as I wanted to, and and it was my dream when I was younger. But all I could think of is when will I ever get a chance to record in Paisley Park? I don't know if that will ever happen again, even though it's just, 30 seconds. So that was the catalyst. So to be in Studio B on a mic with the headphones, standing yeah. on that console, I was, you know, you don't, can't have a phone, you can't take pictures. I'm like staring the room down, what's on that shelf, what's on that table, who sat on that couch, who sang on this mic. And then at one point to hear, I, you had a choice of three songs, I chose Cream because I know Rosie Gaines' harmony. I was like, I'll do that one. <laughs> And because you only get one chance, you can hear it one time, and then you have to sing it. But um, just to be able to stand in there and hold those headphones on in Studio B and hear his voice come through and sing with him, it's so silly, I know. But this I is the greatest thing hand, I've ever heard. I kept my hand on a chair next to me because I kept telling myself, "You want to feel the room. I want to feel the room." I don't want to just be in here. I want, I want to feel the energy of the room. I would rub. I would run my hands down the walls to see if there right. was any energy left. I would, as I was standing like in a tour, I would just put my hand on a doorknob and just hold on to the doorknob. Um, well, let me ask you this: I wanted to feel it. I wanted to feel well, yeah. what he did. Well, let me ask you this: So, yeah. did, did you have like, in terms of like choice? Was there like mm-hmm. ten songs you could choose from? Was there a hundred songs to choose from? I mean, like, like what, what? Uh... Uh, it was Raspberry Beret, Take Me With You, and Cream. Okay, and so you just those three, okay. Just those three, and you only get thirty seconds. And um, I wonder why I, uh, those three. I wonder why those. That's interesting. I don't know, and it, it's funny. There were a few. There were a few people in that Thursday night tour because they only do it on Thursday nights, and all the women wanted to do Take Me With You because they wanted to be Apollonia. Right, I, right, right, of course. I, 
that, now, that, now that makes sense. I want to be that Wendy. I want to be well, Wendy. You know I always wanted to be Wendy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, actually, actually, that makes sense because, okay, because they know it's either going to be, you know, male or female is going to get up there, take me with you, yeah. su- supplies that, cream supplies that. And yeah. r- Raspberry Beret really doesn't, but but everybody, but it's also, yeah. you also want a song that people know all the words to. I mean, you realize that a lot of people still don't I'm know all thinking. the words. That a lot of people don't, yeah. so don't know all the words, so let's go crazy. Like, they get to that one part of the chorus, yeah. and then they kind of bumble it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, you know, it's okay. funny because I, I didn't know that was the deal. I just thought you could pick any song. I really did. I was like, so I was practicing mountains. So I was ready to do mountains. So uh, I didn't know that. So I was like, oh, I hadn't practiced any other song. I could do cream. Let's do that. Right, so, right. Because my my head is my head is spinning right now, thinking about you know, like like if you know, if I could pick any song, what it would be, and and oh, you know, mountain, mountains would probably would be up there in terms of you know, if you listen to the other podcast uh, that we did, and our listeners know that my favorite era, of course, is Prince is is the Under the yeah. Cherry Moon Parade. So yeah, that, so oh it would God, have it, it would have. It had to have been something like that, or like life can be so yeah. nice, or something like that. Yeah. So, Gail, I got one last. I, or question. another lover in the hole, hole in the head. I thought about. Oh that yeah, totally. Don't give you that one. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. And you and I could like duet it, and it would be uh, uh it'd be, it'd be so I great. I know. It'd be so awesome. Yeah. Uh, so so you know so if I I, I promise you that if I uh, ever make it up there and uh, they expand the uh, the the storybook uh, or the songbook that you can choose from, I would. Uh, Hopefully it will it'll extend something to, to to that album. So I want to ask you one yeah. thing. So, if, so when you returned, uh, you said you returned for the celebration. This this is this yeah. past April, and mm-hmm. and uh, you know one thing people are going to know, uh, you know, is that the revolution is is actually in town in in Dallas. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, I'm completely very excited that we're going to uh you know be be experiencing that uh and everything else and so and actually when this airs um I'll uh we'll have already have seen them um so so mm-hmm. so talk a little bit about that for me so when you're seeing because because you saw the love sexy tour so you would never saw the revolution no i never in the past. did so so no. so talk talk a little bit about that experience, um, of course, without giving anything away for those who haven't seen the tour yet, including myself, uh, okay. but, but just talk a little bit about what that was like in terms of, you know, you know, obviously there's going to be this, because I'm actually, I'm so excited uh, to yeah. see this, but I'm also nervous, uh, because I know there's going to be, on yeah. one hand, I'm very excited that, you know, I love these people, they're like magical beings to me. But I also mm-hmm. going to be this glaring hole in the middle of the stage where he should be, and I'm nervous about it. I know. So I wanted to I get know. I wanted to get some feedback from you. What was that experience like for you? Um, it was it was more profound than I thought it would be. I was I mean I was pre- I was actually prepared to be really steadying myself because when I saw them for the very first time was at Paisley on the anniversary of his passing in the soundstage, which they had never played before. They had never, Wendy and Lisa had never been in Paisley and ever performed there. So emotion was high. Uh, yeah. It was. It was um, I'm, uh, I can, if I can, if I, mostly if I can handle it, I, we're also, we're also planning on, 
seeing multiple shows as well. Uh, uh, tomorrow night at the House of Blues in Dallas, Texas. And, uh, so very excited they're, to, they're beautiful. To, to be they're with beautiful. those. Yes, to be with those people and yeah. uh, and to be able to. And uh, fellow fans, people that feel the same way as you right. see, again, with all those people that are going to have the high emotion that you do. It's it's It's, it's quite a release. At, and at the same time, it's like I'm going to see him in San Francisco next month because I'm just not quite for 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 coming on to the show. And again, we thank hope you. again want to thank Gail so much for coming on to the show. Uh, God, what are so many great stories? Um, Gail and I could have talked to the sun come up and and hope definitely have her back on the show sometime. You guys want to reach out to Gail and and tell her how much you, you like her stories and also to reconnect and because she's got so many awesome, awesome, wonderful things. Uh, find her on Twitter at uh, at symbol and Hey Georgie Girl, which is <clears throat> which how cool is that, right? So that's H E Y G E O R G Y G I R L. Again, thanks again, Gail. I really appreciate that. Um, she mentioned something uh, during uh, when she was on that I wanted to, to extrapolate on. She was talking about how being in, in Studio B and and being able to record a few bars and actually being in Paisley Park and as touristy and whatever silliness it sounds like. I mean, who who wouldn't do that? Who wouldn't go for it? I, I know I would. Uh, the thing I wanted to expand upon is that uh, anybody that, that knows the show or, or knows my history knows that I uh, worked with and, and spent time on the road with uh, a band called Ween, uh, specifically with their drummer, Claude Coleman Jr., and his side project, Mondola. And I like to joke that people say, hey, man, how'd you get that gig? And it was like, well, because we bonded over Prince. And also, uh, and, and some of those other guys, to an extent, Phillies baseball. But anyway, um, the guys at Ween, they go by the name Dean and Gene Ween. Uh, their names are, of course, actually Aaron Freeman and Mickey Melchiondo. Mickey tells this great story. Uh, he told me one time about, you know, Paisley Park was, they were, you know, recording studios. They were even rehearsal studios. Just like anything else, you could just run out time and, and stuff. And the, the Ween being massive Prince fanatics, famously covering Shockadelica and, and many others, uh, you know, live throughout the years, that they were in there recording and rehearsing. I think they might have been rehearsing. I'm not quite sure they were recording, but that doesn't matter because the point is, is that apparently they saw another part of the studio that they weren't supposed to go in. And there was heavy security and the whole bit, of course. And, and to give you an idea of what year this was, this was probably sometime in the early 1990s, maybe around 90, maybe as late as like 95. And uh, anyway, and so <laughs> Mickey tells me that uh, they uh, apparently was, you know, pushing their luck, you know, given, you know, because we can imagine that, right? And they go into this water part of the studio that, they're not supposed to be in, and there's like his guitar, there's some handwritten lyrics, and they're just, you know, they're like us, man. They're just like, you know, ween fanatics, and at that time, they were probably in their early to mid-twenties, and maybe not entirely sober, and just freaking out, and before they can, you know, do anything with it, or observe it, look at it, kind of just lose, lose their shit over it, uh, security was already, you know, had them by the collar, and they didn't just return them back to, like, hey, go back to your rehearsals. I mean, they were escorted out, like, out, out, like, into the cold, into the, 
cold uh, Minnesota snow there. So anyway, so fun little fun little little, little tale there. Um, and our last interview uh, is coming all the way from the United Kingdom. Uh, we spoke with Julie McNamara. She is so awesome and offers such a great perspective. And I wanted to to uh, you know, give it this a global insight. And you know, Prince always had a very special relationship with the UK, and uh, you know, he did his original Twenty One Nights there. And, uh, she's had some great stories, and she's amazing. Also, a lifelong Prince fan. And so let's go and get Julie online. UK is Julie McNamara. Julie, welcome to Tricky Kid Radio. Hi, thank you very much for having me. So, Julie, where are you calling me from in the UK? I'm calling you from a place called Lansing in West Sussex. Oh, okay, okay. Right on. I've, I've, I've spent some, some time in, in London and Cambridge and in a few other different places, so I'm, I'm so glad that you're joining us today. So, oh, you're welcome. So we we talked a little bit, and I wanted to get some information from you. Uh, so tell me, what was the first? What was your introduction to Prince? What was the first piece of music or or thing that you ever kind of owned or or really fell in love with? Oh well, I fell in love with "I Want to Be Your Lover" to begin with a long, long time ago. My brother was a DJ in a club at the time. I'm my older brother, and he brought that home, and I thought, gosh, that's really something special. Um, and then fast forward a few, you know, more years in my teenage years. And then obviously when Purple Rain hit the scene, I think that was just epic. So that was my pretty much my first album. Um, so I'm not one of these, you know, like early diehard fans where I've got all the, the albums leading up to that. Um, but yeah, I loved I Want to Be Your Lover. I, even now, I love playing that song. I never tire of it. Because we always like what we remember, don't we? And there's something about the soundtrack to that, and your introduction. You know, no matter no matter where you began. So, as much as people, like again, like I said, I don't I don't try to make it a competition. You know, as long right. as, as long as you tuned in, you tuned in. And so, so when Purple Rain, you said was really the after I want to be your lover. You said that then Purple Rain a few years later, of course. Around, right. around around approximately around what age were you when, when Purple Rain came out? Um, I think I was about twenty two. <laughs> okay, so, speaking. So, <laughs> so you were so you were in. Well, you never asked a lady how old she was. I'm just trying to get, give uh, <laughs> give perspective, of course. So you were so you were in college when when uh, when Purple Rain University when Purple Rain came out. Do you, do you remember what the vibe was like? I mean, especially because I know how beloved he is in the UK as well. Yeah, we do love him here. Um, oh, a Purple Rain was obviously epic. I mean, it was like a classic album. It was fantastic. I mean, every track was unbelievable. And then, obviously, the movie was superb. I mean, he, he was an all-rounder in my book. I just can't believe how talented this guy was. Um, and that blew us all away over here. But, you know, I mean, not to mention, obviously, his his concerts that were incredible, I mean, I can't, you know, you can't fault him. He was just amazingly talented, and no, nobody touched him in my book. For sure. Um, yeah. Now, at what point after that did you actually finally get to, to experience Prince Live? Um, well, I actually went to L.A. to live for a few years, and so, you know, I was sort of toing and froing the U.K. at the time as well. And uh, I didn't ever see Prince Live uh, until... 
2007, believe it or not, so it was quite a while. And the reason being, I for some reason, I just kept missing him. Um, you know, I'd be out somewhere in L.A. and I'd hear that he'd be around and, you know, I was someplace and he'd gone somewhere. It was like he was avoiding me. <laughs> <laughs> um, you don't find Prince. Prince finds you, right? Is that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but then finally, after, you know, I'd even got tickets to a concert once in Inglewood when I lived in L.A. We got as far as the car park. And then we were sort of ushered out of the car park and we were told that the that show in particular was cancelled. I believe Prince had had an injury during rehearsal. Um, I think Chaka Khan was his support that night. And I was just devastated because I'd waited so long by then to see him. And that right. was in the early night. Yeah, that was in the early 90s. So then, you know, by the time then when that finally when he came to London and I'd stopped missing him, um, he did the 21 nights in London, and I thought, right, I'm going to this. I'm not going to miss him now. And uh, and that's when I finally did get to see him live, and, my God, I just was blown away. I mean, he was a, just a genius. Out of the 21-night run that he did there at the O2 Arena, and this was around, was it, that was around 2009, is that right? No, 2007, he came to do you. that. Right. Okay, and yeah. so... Out of those 21 nights, were you able to catch multiple shows? Yeah, I, um, the minute I saw him, I got like tickets from a private agency the following week because I thought, I can't miss this again. I dragged a friend of mine to that, and we managed to get nearly front row seats. She was in, she, I got wow. her booked. <laughs> I thought, as I went along, I sort of got my other friends coming in with me, and I got them all hooked on him. And then I had to do the last night. I went to that on my own. I thought, I'm not missing the last show. That was just, I didn't think he could excel himself, but that was just magical. So you saw the actual very final show of the 21. Yeah, month. yeah. And, and you set just... front row for it. Yeah, I, I uh. just couldn't miss it. <laughs> Julie, Julie, you are a true fan. So it's funny because you were talking about Inglewood, of course, for people that haven't been to California, what Julie's referring to, of course, is the forum there where the Lakers yes. used to play. And, and so when he came, so the 21 Nights in America was there. And so right. when, so when it, now, but you weren't living in LA at that time, right? You were no, I, back in London. I, yeah, or back I was in back England, in right? London. And that was killing me because I actually knew where that place was and I was dying to go and see him there, but I couldn't get time off of work. So, yeah, I couldn't there's, make there's, it there. There's something that I I, uh, I I think I might have mentioned in, in when we did the other shows uh, last year, but one thing I'll share with you real fast was that so when he did those shows, I was actually going – I went out to L.A. Uh, for a few other different things. Um, yeah. Where they, you might have heard of the the, the, of the Coachella site, and, I, and it was around that same time. And so I was out there for that, and uh, he was doing 21 nights. And so we ended up going to see him for a week straight. And oh. and what? Here's what financed that. And a lot of a lot of people uh, kind of felt so bad because I was meeting people that had come all the way from Australia and the UK and had spent just you know a small fortune. And what had happened was, it wasn't that he was having trouble filling the seats. Is I think he was having trouble in terms of it being because how how it worked was was he was doing like Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. It wasn't consecutive, right? right? And then sometimes I think he threw in like a Thursday there. And then for for whatever reason, there was 
these nights where you couldn't get a ticket for any amount of money, but for some right. reason these other nights, he was having trouble filling the place. And so I got tipped off on the forum, uh, the print, uh, like some forum, whatever, that said, if you go, go to the window and just ask them uh. what they have left. And and so we already had purchased tickets, but I went ahead and, and did it anyway. And, and so we were able to get seats that were in the bowl, not on the floor, of course, but in the bowl that are just right there off the edge of the stage for wow. twenty for twenty five American dollars. Oh, that, that's just oh my gosh! And so <laughs> that's how we were able to go because again, I mean, I'm not I'm not made of money. I mean, I and so so I was like, so we just kept doing that. I was like, so yeah. I was like, hey, you know, think about it. If you were in a city and Prince is there, aren't you going to make some kind of attempt to go? And and now yeah. knowing that you can see him up close for twenty five dollars, I mean, I, I would have done it every day of the year, you know. Me too. Me too. <laughs> but where and you, you ha- and, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. no. I was going to say, unless you saw him live, it was you. You just, you know, not everybody got it. They couldn't yes. quite see the fascination, but it wasn't until you actually saw him live that you thought, well, now I get it. I get what all the fuck Absolutely. is about. Absolutely. Totally. And, but you've got something on me, though, that is, is again, the only times I managed to see Prince, uh, I never made it to Paisley Park. I, you know, I, I managed to go to a couple. I've got some good stories about, you know, going to some crazy after parties in New York and Chicago and some other stuff, but I never actually made it to Paisley Park, and you did. Uh, so uh, can you detail that experience uh, for me? And, and you traveled all the way from the U.K. just to go to Paisley Park. Is that correct? Yes, and I plan to go again next year because was, it was just amazing. Um, it, obviously, it was very emotional. Um, in fact, all the staff, as you walked in on the first day, were sort of handing out tissues. They just walked around with boxes of tissues. Um, I knew when I walked through those doors it was going to be quite an emotional experience for me. Um, because I'd never been, and also I, one of my biggest regrets, obviously, was never to, never going when he was there, having one of his famous after parties or, you know, one of his right. the after dark. Or, I mean, I, I, the reason I didn't do that beforehand, actually, was because I kind of was led to believe that, you know, Minneapolis was like a tricky place to get to and Paisley Park was difficult. It was quite away from the airport. So I used to think, oh, gosh, it's, you know, in the middle of winter, maybe it would be tricky, you know, with the snow that they get there. For sure, so when, for sure. And then Prince had this sort of, you know, habit of just sort of having, you know, like just a day or two notice. So it was hard for me to get a flight <laughs> sometimes, um, you know, or even, you know, yeah, we, you didn't get much notice in order to prepare a trip. So, but you know, of right? Course. Exactly. It's not like it was like a Broadway play where it was going to be where you knew, you know, or had the ability to plan. And I think that's also kind of the culprit of why I never made it because I just couldn't just, you know, okay, on a, on a second notice, make it from you know from Texas or I lived in New York for a while too, over to yeah. Minneapolis, and like you said, out to Chanhassen, which is an hour from the airport in the snow so you know it, it kind of <laughs> made it challenging but you, it, but it still didn't stop you from making it there for this past year's celebration no. so, so talk a little bit about I, that for me yeah i had to be there for that i thought you know what it's the first year of his passing um i always wanted to go anyway i mean of course it would have been far nicer to have gone there when he was around but actually when you walked into the place you really did have a feel for him there 
Um, obviously, there were lots of emotional people. It's just beautiful, though, because, you know, the outside looks a bit like a white Rubik's Cube, if you like. But right. when you get in, when you get inside, it's just got these lovely sort of pastel colours and, you know, um, there's, like his eyes are above uh, the walkway as you walk towards the symbol, like the marbled floor. Um, and obviously that's where his urn is. Um, the ashes are in the urn just above that on a, on a high shelf, which is quite emotional. And I knew exactly where the elevator was. Um, you know, they've covered that with a very nice, display of all of the tickets um that you know he ever um sold really for all the shows he ever did um but you know obviously you kind of knew what was behind it so I got a bit upset when I passed that um but actually though it's so tastefully furnished um I I thought he was showing off with all the awards that he's got (laughs) I couldn't believe I knew he'd got tons of them but I just thought this is ridiculous I've never seen (laughs) the amount but you know there's the most gorgeous like photographs of him you know cutouts of him it's just very very tastefully furnished I mean he he had great taste anyway I mean I loved the way he dressed you know he certainly had a flair of his own and uh, but you know the whole experience was was unbelievable and I do know that the several people that I I met there um, who are all going to go again next year I mean it was a pretty incredible experience if you're a huge Prince fan it's it's a must well, you know, it's something that I wanted to be there for too. Again, I always wanted to go before, and obviously, I felt I felt the same urgency and need that that, that you did uh, to be there for the for the celebration, which I always wanted to go to anyway. Like I said, and especially in, in its first year, uh, right? You know, since his passing, it just it just felt like like it was a must, uh, you know, to be there. My scheduling didn't allow that to happen, uh, and I'm so glad that that, that you were able to make it and. Uh, to be there. Now, I wanted to ask you this too, was uh, were you able to see uh, something else that was very, very neat was it was the Revolution, actually oh. their first time at Paisley Park uh, and yeah. performing. Were you able to, to take that in as well? Oh my gosh, uh, that that was probably one of my favorite acts there. I mean, obviously they were all great and that's one thing that I thought was really, really amazing. All of the people that Prince ever worked with, the musicians, his friends, all of them, they were not only all amazing, but they not, you know, they all had great memories of him, um how inspirational he was, um how courageous he was, how he pushed them to do you know, far more than they ever thought they could achieve. And I think he just had a, a gift for that. You know, he had a knack of just knowing who to pick for to work with. Right. Um, I mean, he was just, you know, he just he just seemed to be sort of like a prophet almost. You know what I mean? How he could yeah, for sure. the future. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he just had this sixth sense. But, you know, yeah, the, the revolution was incredible. I, I thoroughly enjoyed that show. They really did rock the place. And... um I love them, and I, I just hope they get to the UK soon. Um, you know, I know they're in Dallas, um, like you said. And, Tonight, uh, that, right. Yeah, lucky you. I wish I was going to see them. They really are fantastic. Well, I wish so, you were here to join us as well, and I'll, I'll tell you, again, <laughs> I, I, I didn't manage to see Prince in concert until uh, 1996-97, Jam of the Year, around the Emancipation time. So oh, I yeah. never, I never got to see the revolution, of course. So to me, these are are magical beings to me, and uh, and so I'm, we're just hours away actually from uh, from from being able to be 
uh, you know, with the revolution and right in front of them, and, and I'm, I'm so looking forward to it. And again, I hope that that they that they just continue and they expand. Is there has there been anything in the in this past year for you, Julie? Uh, because it has been a weird time. I mean, it's it's still so completely unacceptable that this person is no longer with us. I I I just I still I think it's one also one of the reasons why, like I said, I would have like to have gone to, 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 to celebration, but for me, I, I just, I don't know if I, if I'm personally ready to take that, that venture right. yet. And, and it's, it's kind of like a, a, a weird emotion, just whereas I'm so excited about tonight, I'm also like nervous isn't the right word, but just when you know you're going to be, uh, or a chance you're going to be emotional in public, there's some, uh, I guess anxiety that accompanies that. Is that fair to say? Yes, yeah. No, I think a lot of people felt that way at um, the celebration. But you know what was lovely about it, though? I mean, obviously, we were all upset. It was a bit like a roller coaster. One minute you were sort of upset, and then all of a sudden you'd hear a, a funny story that, you know, somebody who'd worked with Prince would come out with, and, you know, you realize then how funny he was. Um, I mean, I think Prince was a very spiritual person, and I think he... He does, I think, personally, that he would love the fact that, you know, people that appreciated his music um, are coming to his home and they are, you know, able to hear, see um, a little bit more than you might be able to hear on the radio or, you know, um, anywhere else for that matter. And I think he would love the fact that his fans are sort of sharing a little bit more, at what, you know, as to what he did. For sure. Um, and Yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, you know... You meet great people there. Well, I certainly did. Um, everybody loves him. And what I loved about it, too, is the mayor there declared it Prince Day on the actual day of the anniversary. And oh, it was like the, the whole of Minneapolis just sort of, you know, paid tribute to him. And uh, it was surreal to be there to experience that. I mean, that's another reason why I wanted to go again. It's like being in Prince Town, and it's just you don't <laughs> want it to end. <laughs> well, it's and, and look what it's done here. It's, it's united us. I mean, I mean, you and I are talking, and we're continents apart. And it, you, it, you know, music unites people. And, and when something is as powerful as that, and and and, and not to make you relive such a, a horrible time, but can can you give us a vibe uh, or just a, a perspective? I know, of course, what it was like in America. Uh, but right. What was, what was and I'm sure all over the world, but can you kind of what was the vibe like when it was, when when it was discovered that he had he had passed in in, in the UK? Well, I know for me, I was in in a state of shock. I mean, I never ever thought that you know I would outlive him. I always thought that he would you know last forever because he was always so active, so healthy, you know, so prolific. Um, right. I mean. I just, well, none of us could, but the people that I know who loved him, even people that were not really that into him were all calling me and, oh my, you know, because they knew how much I loved him and right. still do and always will probably. And, um, you know, they were like, oh, we can't believe it, you know. And I thought, well, if you can't believe it, you know, how do you think I, I feel now? I mean, I, I was crying for days, if I'm honest. Um, even now, I kind of, I've only got to hear a certain song and I think, oh gosh, I can't listen to that yet. Um, however, I just think, you know, obviously, yes, it, in the UK, at least, I mean, he has got an entourage of, of fans um, and I know he has all over the world. I've connected with the most amazing people on Twitter 
since his passing, even more so since his passing. I mean, I was connected with him, obviously, before he died. We used to love the sort of, you know, frenzy that he used to throw everybody into when he was about to announce, a, a, you know, a, a show maybe in your town. And right, everyone right. would be, oh, my God, you know. But he always seemed to kind of have a special relationship with the UK, you know? I mean, like, yeah, you know, it's not a coincidence yeah. that he did the 21. I know that. You know, uh, something could be said about because, you know, because he's always felt c- competitive with Michael Jackson and Michael Jackson was going to, you know, you know, do these shows at a certain time, uh, uh, you know, which ended up, of course, not happening. But I, I think that with or without that, there's just there. He was just so dialed into to the culture there and, and, and received so much love there. That I think it was a, a definitely a special place for him, you know. Yeah. And, we, and well, we quit. No, no, we truly love him here. We really do. I mean, he's, you know, I think it's because he was just so amazing. I mean, not only was he extremely cute, but, you know, <laughs> he, <laughs> I mean, he, he really is beautiful. But, you know, I mean, it's the the, the catalogue is astonishing that he has. You know, it's just I've never known anything like it, really. Well, they're really, I mean, I know that, of course, you know, we're, you know, obviously big fans and doing the show on Prince and, and we're uh, obviously very partisan in that respect. But I don't, I, I can say this, and I'm sure you agree with me with total confidence, is that there hasn't, nor will there ever be, it, it, it's its own lane. It's, and it's so still completely unacceptable that this, this enigma, that this, this source, of just light and love is gone, and and you said I something. That, you said something that touched uh, upon me as well was that it's really gone for me because again, I listen to Prince every single day of my life in some in some form. I've got, you know, it's just part of my day. It has been since I was eight years old, and like you right. said, that that hasn't happened for me since then because there's a lot of music that I just I really can't. Uh, you know, and and that that's the thing. I, I'm trying to rise above that, and trying to carry his his music and message and legacy instead of isolating from it. But there are right. some things that I haven't been able to to listen to, uh, you know, just yet. And so that's why I really much applaud you. Uh, and the reason why I wanted to do this uh, this one year after you know retrospective was to kind of again unite us and kind of get everybody together and uh and and in regards to that because the last thing that we people yeah. who never got to see prince to see these people that work with him and then at least you'll get a, a glimpse into you know right. exactly how amazing these musicians are um and you so, kind of yeah. feel like you kind of get a get, still kind of get a piece of it a little bit, you know? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, obviously, you know, we all miss him. It's not the same without him. It never will be. But, you know, he's left such a legacy. And, you know, I play his music every day. I look after two little girls. Um, I'm a nanny. And uh, I'm already, they, they already know all the words to his songs. And, you know, they absolutely love him. And every day now they get in the car. It's like, can we have some pee? You <laughs> <laughs> see, Julie, it's up to us now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I really do think that. And I think that, you know, and I think Prince would, would love that. You know, I think he he wanted to encourage children to play instruments. You know, he wanted everybody to see what real music was. 
And, you know, you could see that whenever you went to see him in concert. It was just incredible. Right. Um, yeah. No, I mean, and, I mean uh, it's well, an honor to have seen him. <laughs> well, Julie, I wanted to thank you so much, again, for staying up late in the U.K. for us. Uh, and, and giving us this this wonderful global perspective uh, and joining us on this very, very special episode. Uh, again, like I said, I'm actually on my way right now here in just a little bit to uh, to experience the revolution. So we couldn't, pick a, better, could, couldn't pick a better day. Uh, I know. And so, and so we might have to have you call back in after you've seen the MPG. Uh, yes. And, uh, and, and again, I can't thank you enough for joining us. You're welcome. Thank you very much. Again, I want to thank Julie uh, so much for staying up late with us and calling uh, in all the way in from the UK. I mean, she was so fantastic and just so full of life and enthusiasm and, and uh, shared so much great stuff there. So again, Julie, thank you so much. Uh, you guys uh, reach out to Julie as well. Tell her how much you enjoyed her uh, on the show. You can find her at Twitter at Julie McNamara 13 That's uh, J-U-L-I-E-M-C-N a-M-A-R-A uh, and 13. And again, Julie, thank you so much. I want to thank you know, all of our guests. Again, Gail, uh, Julie, thank you both so much for, uh, for, for being a part of this. And, uh, such a, you know, a, a whirlwind um, uh, last 24 hours, of course, of being able to speak to both of you and, and seeing the revolution and, and, um, and all of you. We want to hear from all of you, so please tweet at us. Please let, let us know. Uh, what you thought of the show, if you have some great stories you want to share, uh, we're definitely going to be doing um, some more things, but uh, I just thought it was very, very important uh, to mark this one-year anniversary and, and, and to talk and to unite and to bring everybody together and, you know, play some music, talk about how you're feeling and, and, and just, that you know, we're still all going to be healing um, for a very, very, very long time. And But does it mean that we still can't, you know, laugh and sing and dance and, and, and now we can do it together uh so again i want to thank everybody uh for for being a part of this and, and check it out and one last thing is uh again you guys know where you can find us um and if you haven't checked out those um episodes we did last summer where basically what we did was we did four episodes covering every decade uh the 80s 90s uh 2000 and 2010 where we just literally broke it down uh, you know, decade by decade, played a lot of rare, rare music, maybe some stuff that you've only heard about. Um, this is the way for you to be get a chance to hear it and, uh, and, and also share some insights and, you know, and lots of great stuff. Very, 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 very proud of those episodes as, as I'm proud of this one as well. So since we were talking um, so much about, you know, Paisley Park and, and, and the celebration and everything else, uh, I'm going to leave you uh, with the song Paisley Park from 1985's Around the World in a Day. Um, one more, unfortunately, spoiler is that the Revolution played this tonight very unexpectedly and for, for me. And then when Wendy was, you know, maybe sharing the, the lyrics so that some people didn't know the song could sing along, uh, gosh, the lyrics just really hit me like a ton of bricks. Um, go see this tour. It's unbelievable. Um, just the fact that these these five just amazing people are, are on the road and bringing this music and and again it, it will probably make you feel the same as it made me feel but it's the alternative is nothing and so um, it's it's something and it's really something um, I believe they're going to be on tour I know there's a lot more shows coming up I know if, if, 
few more weeks. And um, and like Julie said, hopefully they'll make it to the UK and beyond after this. I can't imagine why they wouldn't because there's such a demand for it. So anyway, so until next week, uh, again, I'm your host, Roy Turner. And I thank you for joining us for this very special episode. And uh, enjoy Paisley Park. We'll see you next week. Life won't be so bad